It's Unleashed with John Lund, Barry, a sports talk and more. Episode 4 for Thursday, September 15th, 2022. How will Giants fans remember the most polarizing player of the era? And it already might be must-win time for Trey Lance. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Episode 4, Thursday, September 15th, 2022 on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, John Lund. Make sure you interact with the show. Drop me a thought, questions, comments, disagreements, attaboys, at John Lund Radio. I'd love it if you'd post a video or an audio that I could play. Or if you just want to tweet me, that's fine as well. Tuesday is the mailbag, but I'll take all the great ones all week long. Any kind of interactions. Love to interact with you. Remember, I host the Pop and Lund show on KNBR 680 in the Bay Area. I'm the sports leader from 10 to 2. Make sure you tune in weekdays. Pre-game, halftime, and post-game on the 49ers radio network. So this week against the Seahawks, if you're listening in in the Bay Area or all around the country, make sure that you check it out as well. And please listen and subscribe to Unleashed, Bay Area Sports Talk, the podcast with me, John Lund. And uh, we'll do this every single weekday. Spotify, Apple, all the places you listen to podcasts. And please tell all your friends. Spread the word. Thank you very much. My son's going to college. That would be really, really nice. I'd like to pay for it. The YouTube channel will drop shortly as well so you can see my ugly mugs. Make sure... You help us out in all of those ways. How will Giants fans remember the most polarizing player of the era? Already might be must win for Trey Lance. Cracks in the Giants foundation down the rabbit hole. It is a Thursday after all. I'll explain that one if you're new to the show. And Tom Brady clearly loves football more than his family. That is one for the road. Let's get going. It's time for today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Belt with a drive, hammered to deep right field, and that one is gone! Santa Maria! That's our good friend Matthew Vaskersian. And that was Brandon Belt in 2014, 18th inning. You remember it well. Gave the Giants a 2-0 series lead in the Washington Nationals uh, series. And the Giants would go on to win the World Series. So Brandon Belt, and I'll give you a little piece of sound from him today. But the big question with Brandon Belt is, how will we remember him? To me, he's the most polarizing player of the 10, 12, 14 era. Now, he won championships in 12 and 14. And he is out for the season with a chronic knee issue. The reason I bring it up is because he was on a recent broadcast with Crook and Kipe, the Giants playing the Braves. He's going to be very difficult to categorize when he is done, and it certainly sounds like he is done. It's easy to define what Tim Linscombe was, what Hunter Pence was, what Brandon Crawford is and was, what Pablo was, what Bruce Bochy was. All of those players have a place in Giants lore, and Brandon Belt does to an extent, but we all know what Brandon Belt is consistently inconsistent. The captain bit last year was amazing, totally tongue-in-cheek, but he owned the bit this year. He came out on the boat on opening day, but it's not as funny when the team's not winning. He's at an OPS of about 825, six of the last eight years, to put it in perspective. The average OPS in Major League Baseball is probably 730, so he's been pretty above average. Last year, his OPS was 1,015. His defense is above average, but last year he only played 97 games. Upside, he hit 29 home runs, but therein lies the problem or at least one of them, he can't stay healthy. He's done for the season after playing in only 78 games, and over the last five seasons, Brandon Meltz missed about a third of the Giants' games. 
Expectations were always higher than production, and the hole in his swing and the high inside heat is well chronicled. Consistently inconsistent. It drives fans crazy. I don't know about you, but I'd rather know if a guy is good or bad. Do you stink or are you great? I just need to know. What do you bring to the table every single night? You didn't know with Brandon Belt. He'd get on these scorching streaks. He would disappear. He'd be in the lineup. He'd be out of the lineup. The expectations were always really high. In terms of great Giants first baseman, the list starts with McCovey over to Bill Terry, goes to Orlando Cepeda, swerves over to Will Clark. Some would say Jack Clark, but much more of an outfielder with the Giants. J.T. Snow, obviously a uh, superior defender. So Belt kind of gets lost in that conversation despite the fact that he's gotten the rings. Now, for me, I'm sentimental with the guy. He's one of my favorite players ever at Giants Fan Fest. I don't know if you've ever been there, but he's always been great to me and my son. Uh, for some reason, there's a there's a tent area, and I've been doing this now for six years, and what it does is it precedes the season. It's a few days before spring training. All the fans come down to Oracle Park. They get to meet the players and see the players, and so there's this big tent with thousands of fans, and I've always been in that tent, and he's always been one of the players on the stage. Or I've been on the main stage out on the field for Fan Fest, and Brandon Belt has been there. So I, I've, I've hosted – with Brandon Belt for six years at Giants Fan Fest. He's been great to me. He's been great to my family. He's hilarious. He's funny. He's insightful. He's smart. He's all those things. So it's difficult because, as you know, I'm not a robot. You know, you meet these guys. You have favorites. All the media is like this. You have favorite guys. You have guys you can't stand. You deal with it. It happens. Brandon Belt's one of the best guys out there. But you know what? From a fan perspective, that really doesn't matter. From a media perspective, that really doesn't matter. I like Brandon Belt a lot. While I'll get sentimental with him, I would not bring him back next season. Here's Brandon Belt with Kruk and Kipe, and it kind of sounds like he's giving Giants fans a goodbye. Well, if you had the the great honor of playing your entire career in a Giants uniform, and this is your home park. Absolutely, and, you know, like I've said before, I hope I get to, to keep doing that because yep. I've – I really love the Bay Area. I, I absolutely love this organization. I love the fans. There's no, there's really nowhere else I want to play. So um, we'll see what happens. It's a business, you know, stuff happens. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, and all I know is I'm going to get as strong as I can and get ready to play baseball next year. Um, and hopefully I get to see these guys again because I, I, I love my teammates as well. This is not the era of Brian Sabian and Bobby Evans. Farhan Zaidi, the president of baseball operations, and Scott Harris, the assistant general manager, didn't sign Brandon Belt. Now, they did re-sign Brandon Belt, but they didn't draft Brandon Belt. They don't have ties to Brandon Belt. Uh, this is a computer-driven organization. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. And that's what they look at. They look at where you're going, not where you've been. For many years, baseball was a sport of, I'll pay you for what you've done, not what you're going to do. And now, it is a sport of, what are you going to do? The computer's going to project what you're going to do, and this is what will pay you based on the comp- what the computer says about you and what you're going to do. And what the computer probably says about Brandon Belt is he gets injured too much, he's inconsistent at the plate, he drives you crazy, and it's time to move on. I love the guy, but it's the same decision the 49ers made a couple of years ago after getting burned with some with so many injuries during the season. Availability is the best ability. Josh Bell, Anthony Rizzo, Trey Mancini, they're the free agent options, or the Giants can make a trade, but they need consistency, they need everyday players they can count on. Well, that era was amazing, and he won a couple of World Series for you and had a ton of key hits. I wonder how he is going to be remembered because all the fans love that era of player. Everyone can be defined except for Brandon Belt. The Giants did the right thing in hanging on to fan favorites for as long as they did, and it kept the turnstiles turning, but it's time to retire the captain. Next. I'll I'll say this, like, uh, good teammate, 
behavior is is part of performance as well. So I don't want to say that there's no part of um, makeup that we consider when we make decisions. I think that's always going to be considered, and we're gonna we're gonna appreciate and respect the highest level of teammate behavior always. That was Giants manager Gabe Kapler talking about the uh, send down of Zach Littell yesterday. Gabe Kapler has the perfect beard. Gabe Kapler has the perfect body. Gabe Kapler has the perfect voice. Gabe Kapler seems to have the perfect words for every situation, almost to a point where it's robotic. So it seems like there might be some cracks in the Giants' foundation. Now, maybe it's coming off 107 wins and expectations, or maybe there is a real issue here. But Dan Clark Sports, and I don't know who Dan Clark is, I'll admit it, but he's got a check mark by his name, and a lot of people in the Bay Area seem to be taking this as, I wouldn't say gospel, but it's certainly to, that there's a lot of truth to this tweet. He said the following, The rumor out of San Francisco is that numerous players have reached out to assistant GM Scott Harris, raising concerns about increasingly strained relationships with manager Gabe Kapler. Apparently, he's lost a lot of them. Is it time for a change already in San Francisco? When you won 107 games the year before, when expectations are as high as they are, then frustrations happen. They say that winning is the best deodorant. It is. A lot of things can be going wrong, but if you win, it doesn't matter the process. It matters the result. That's what sports is. You can screw up the process, and if the results are good, it's fine until the winning stops, and then it doesn't matter how good the process is. Does that make sense? (laughs) maybe it doesn't the computer is the thing now that manages a baseball team it's very simple far anxiety and everybody in the front office puts in the data and the dna in a computer this is how i envision it at least that there's a printout and here's what you do and you look at it oh what do we do here 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 it's not about instincts it's not about the way that bruce bochy and a bunch of old school managers used to manage the computer is the altar to which the Giants pray to, not a manager. A manager has never been more middle management than ever in Major League Baseball. Just look at where the salaries are. So Gabe's first job and number one job is to keep a harmonious locker room for 160 games, and that's not easy over nine months. It starts in February, ends in October, and hopefully it goes further for you. You got players from all over the world. You got language barriers. You got clicks among teammates. But what I see from afar, and I'm not in the locker room, or I should say I'm not in the clubhouse every single day, but Gabe is robotic. He's kind of got a computer voice. He's got a perfect answer for everything. Uh, I don't know if it's losing or, or frustration after this dud of a season. But after 107 games, there is a lot of frustration. I'm sure it's a combination of things. If I'm a player and the the role has changed, it doesn't seem like, even though he says it all the time, that Gabe is a guy that you can talk to, that Gabe is a guy that's very loose, that Gabe is a guy you can have a beer with. Now, maybe those things don't matter, but the Giants have a synthetic feel to their team right now. They're not fun. They're not, and and it's not because they're not winning. It's not that. We're hearing grumblings that this, they're no fun to play for. Baseball's supposed to be fun. Now, does the win, it's the chicken or the egg theory. Does the winning come first and then the fun? Does the fun come then the winning? you, you got to have a great clubhouse. Everybody knows that in every single sport. you got to have chemistry. All those things matter. Everybody thinks it's fantasy football, fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball. You get the best players and win. It doesn't work that way. And especially it doesn't work that way in baseball because certainly the Giants, who won 107 games last year, didn't have the most talent. The Dodgers had better talent. A lot of teams had better talent. You saw by the Braves winning the World Series with 88 wins, which wasn't the best in baseball, and you go back to the Giants winning in 10 and 12 and 14, they didn't have the most talent, 
They have the combination of talent and chemistry. This team has bad chemistry. They remind me of book smart versus street smart. And that's what the old Giants had. They had a lot of street smart, and they had a lot of book smart. But the street smart, the instincts, those kind of things, they watched the game. It's a big theory of mine. Watch the damn game. The Giants are just too robotic. The robotic on the field, the robotic off the field. They don't have a lot of stars on their team. It just doesn't seem like a fun place to play. Winning is fun, losing is not. I get it. They're like nerds who study in college on a Friday night and on Monday tell you all about how life should be. You got to live baseball. The Giants right now, I don't think, are living baseball. They lack a personality and a pulse. Fans fell in love with the 10, 12, and 14 teams for winning, but as much for the personalities like Timmy and Pablo and Pence and Bochy and guys who you'd want to have a beer with. They need to turn off the computer and live a little. Next. Like I said, man, a million times, there's always going to be better decisions I can make. Uh, but on Sunday, I felt like I protected myself pretty well. Felt good for the most part. Maybe a couple I could have got down one step faster. Uh, or slashing, finding an edge and getting down. But uh, for the most part, I mean, when I'm running between the tackles and stuff like that or running on third down, I'm, I'm not ever going to slide um, and go fourth and two and just give up on the play and send our defense on the field if it's a situation like that. That was an interesting cut from Trey Lance. He talks to the media on game day weeks on Wednesdays. I'm of the opinion when it comes to Trey Lance that because of the schedule, if they don't beat Seattle on Sunday – there's going to be a serious conversation after only two weeks, yes, after only two weeks, that they may have to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be a shock jock kind of a podcast guy. I, I'm not trying to get headlines. I'm not trying. It, it, these are just facts. You're a Super Bowl team from a talent standpoint at every position except for the most important position on the field. And going back and watching the game on Sunday, I thought to myself, Okay, he's not very he's not playing very well, but he might get injured and that would open the door for Jimmy before he's taken out due to ineffectiveness. But if he's ineffective against Seattle this weekend, and then you've got at Denver and the Rams were the Super Bowl champions, you could be staring at 0 and 4 or 1 and 3 in the face. And as talented as the 49ers are, that probably means you're not in the playoffs. And it's funny, I got into a conversation with my wife and I was trying to explain the situation between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And sometimes we overthink it as media people because I, I explained to her that Trey Lance is the starter because they need to develop them because they traded the first round picks for him because it was his time. And she said, well, isn't Jimmy Garoppolo better? And I said, well, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is better, but Trey uh, Lance has more upside and he hasn't played very much. And so they need to play him. And she says, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, well, yeah, it does because you've got a lot invested in this guy. You don't have a lot invested anymore in Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is the backup because Trey Lance may not be better today, but Trey Lance could be better by the end of the season. And once they get into the playoffs, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't proven it. And they wanted to get a better quarterback. And they wanted, wanted to get a guy that wasn't injured so much. And she said, again, who's the better quarterback? And I said, well, right now, Jimmy Garoppolo. And she owns her own business, and she's smart, and she says, well, then he should start. She said, <laughs> in my business, whoever the better people are, <laughs> they get the work done. They're the ones that get paid. The better people play, so to speak. And I said, well, yeah, I said, at every other position, you're right. I said, at running back, at wide receiver, at corner, at guard, at, at the best player plays. And she goes, well, why doesn't that apply to quarterback? And I said, I don't know. And I just stormed off. I don't know. And maybe this is just a conspiracy theory on my part that crept into my brain, or maybe this, there, this makes a lot of sense. 
which is his agent is Don Yee. He's Tom Brady's agent as well. He's a very high-powered agent. And when this started to crystallize that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to have a whole lot of options, he didn't have – this is the, one of the reasons I didn't think Jimmy would come back. Because as good of a guy as Jimmy is, and he is, he is what everybody says he is. He had to walk back in this locker room as a backup quarterback, as a leader of this team, with a lot of very close friends, and he had one role. He was the starter. And now he comes back, clearly is right now the better quarterback of the two. They would have won that game against Chicago if Jimmy was playing. For all the criticism Jimmy takes, in a three-year span, they went to the Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game in two of those three years. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He was dealt a bad hand in the offseason, whether it was his fault, whether it was the Niners' fault, whether it was the combination of two, whether it was the injury, which kept him away from teams and scared teams off. He's better than Trey Lance right now. But he and his agent looked around the league, and they looked at, say, the Texans with Nick Cesario, who was the part of the GM or was part of the front office with the Patriots that drafted him. And he said, there's Davis Mills. Well, Davis Mills in the first game played really well against the Colts. He looked at Seattle and saw Geno Smith and said, eh. Geno Smith hit his first 13 passes on Monday night against the Broncos in that win and was 17 of 18 at halftime. He wasn't going to start there. He was rumored to the Rams, but even a compromised Matt Stafford is better than a healthy Trey right now. So he looked around the league and looked at situations, and I'm sure his agent did the digging. Hey, Robert Saul in New York with the Jets. Do you need a backup? We're good with Flacco. Hey, Mike McDaniel in Miami, the former offensive coordinator of the 49ers. You need a backup? Ah, Tua's pretty good. And, and Tua was good in week one, and they beat the Patriots. So it looks like in just one week, a, an incredibly small sample size, I'll give you that, but in an incredibly small sample size that these teams maybe were right about their quarterback situations. So they rehuddled and they said, you know what? You know where your quickest path to start is? It's where you are. Jimmy had a first-hand seat to, to Trey's inconsistencies last year and to Trey's inconsistencies this year. He saw it. I'm sure amongst his friends, they were texting on the team. Trey's struggling. You might want to stay. We might want you on, We might want you as a safety net. Nobody's going to say that publicly. And as camp went on and his options dwindled, he and his agents got together and said, this is the best place for you. And if you don't believe me, $6.5 million in base salary and $9 million in playing incentives. If he doesn't play, he can't get the $9 million. Hey, Jimmy, where do you think your best chance to play is? It's here. And all of a sudden, we're looking into week two against the Seahawks. And if they don't beat Seattle, don't be surprised if Jimmy's starting in Denver in week three. Next. Most I studied him was college. And liked him coming out of college a lot. And I think we all did in here. Uh, and then I know he did good early on in Indy and had some tough injuries. But those are things our guys stay on top of throughout. You know, we all have rankings of guys in college. And then we see how they perform in the NFL. Um, coaches don't get to get to it much until they become free agents and stuff like that. But that's stuff our guys are doing all the time. And we got a list on everybody. Watch up, Doc. Today's version of Down the Rabbit Hole is not as long as it normally is. It normally is hours and hours, and I'm wondering something, and then I start going down that rabbit hole. But Marlon Mack is an interesting story and an interesting situation. But before I get to Marlon Mack, I want to explain something. And here's the reason why I went down the rabbit hole. Because Elijah Mitchell, who is going to be out for months, the lead running back for the 49ers, a second-year uh, running back and former sixth-round pick, is out for a couple of months. And everyone's panicking about this. While I would fall somewhere in the middle, I'm not panicking, I'm not happy. 
if you look at the history of Kyle Shanahan, and I'm only going to go back to 2017, but when he was the offensive coordinator of the Texans or the Cleveland Browns or the Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons probably the most famous with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, but all through his career as an offensive coordinator and now as a head coach of the 49ers, he has always valued the running back by committee. Mike Shanahan, when he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos, his dad always valued the running back by committee. And the reason why is because in the zone read system and in the Shanahan zone read system, the running back is taught, put your foot in the ground, get up the field, and you're not juking anybody, you're running people over. Well, that what that is conducive to is getting hurt. That's what Elijah Mitchell has done in two years. So Kyle's history with running backs for the 49ers. In 2017, they ran for 1,662 yards, and they had Carlos Hyde, Matt Breida, and Raheem Mostert splitting those yards. In 2018, 1,902 yards rushing. It was 13th in the league. Matt Breida, 814. Alfred Morris, 428. Jeff Wilson, Jr., 266. Raheem Morris, 261. In 2019, when they went to the Super Bowl, 2,301 yards, number one in the league in rushing yards. Raheem Mostert, 722. Matt Breida, 623. Tevin Coleman, 544. Debo, 159. Jeff Wilson, Jr., 105. 2020, 1,889 yards. Wilson, Jr., 600. Mostert, 521. Jarek McKinnon, 319. Hasty, 148. 2021, last year, 2,166 yards rushing, seventh in the league. Mitchell had 963. Debo, 365. Jeff Wilson, Jr., 294. Trey Lance, 168. Trey Sermon, 167, and even Jamichael Hasty had 68. Okay, I'm done with numbers. Your eyes are glazing over. I can see it from here. Here's the point. Elijah Mitchell's going to be missed. But between Debo, Jeff Wilson Jr., J.P. Mason, a rookie out of Georgia Tech, who they continually say they love. And I went back. I'm a dork. I went back and I watched his college tape at Georgia Tech, and that's what he does. He puts his foot in the ground and gets up the field and runs over people, and he's 220 pounds. Ty Davis-Price gets up the field. Rookie third-round pick out of LSU. About 220 pounds. Gets up the field. And now Marlon Mack. Okay, we're back to Marlon Mack. I finally got here. Down the rabbit hole. Marlon Mack was an up-and-coming running back before his 2020 Achilles tear in an opener at Jacksonville. In the two years, 2018-2019, he was in 26 games, ran for 1,999 yards. That's four and a half a carry. That's nice. 17 touchdowns and played in 954 snaps in two years. Then the Achilles injury happened in Jacksonville in game number one in 2020. Since then, the, next, the last two years, seven games versus 26, 32 carries versus 442 the previous two, and 127 yards compared to 1,999, and he hasn't scored a touchdown, and he's only played 70 snaps, and in comparison, 954 the previous two before the injuries. By the way, Marlon Mack's only 26. We all know that running backs start to go south around 30, Marlon Mack is 26 years old. I would not be surprised if Marlon Mack was the lead running back. And now, now look, Debo's going to get his carries, although we talked about this earlier on in the week in the podcast. He had 59 carries for 365 yards last year and got in the end zone a lot, a lot of tough inside yards. I know that everybody wants to use Debo in that capacity, but you don't want to use him too much because he had eight carries against the Bears. He had two catches for 14 yards. What you want out of Debo is five or six rushes maybe, a couple of jet sweeps, maybe four or five inside, but on key downs because he's so good getting first downs, getting touchdowns, getting the extra yard, save him for those moments. Now, the defense is going to know that, and they're going to know the tendencies. I understand that. You can jet sweep him, but he's got to get involved in the running game as well. 
So he can't have eight runs the entire season. He had eight runs per game about half the season, 59, 59 carries half the season, maybe a little bit less. But you don't want him running the ball. He's on pace right now to run the ball about 126 times. So you got to find somebody. Is it J.P. Mason, an undrafted free agent? Is it Ty Davis, at a, a rookie in the third round? Is it Jeff Wilson Jr.? Jeff Wilson Jr. didn't look very quick or explosive in week one versus the Bears. I was not impressed. Marlon Mack, according to those in the know, looks quick, looks fast. If he could be the running back he was in 2018 and 2019 where he was on the verge of setting himself up for a big contract, that would be huge for the 49ers. That's your rabbit hole. Next. I'm just going to take it day by day, you know, and, and I'll evaluate everything as it comes. So I know it's uh, one of these days they're going to be right. I will say that one of the days, you know, if you make enough predictions and so forth. And I think we've all kind of talked about the predictions that have not come true. But I think for me, you know, the ability to play and love what I'm doing in year 23 with a new group of teammates and, uh, you know, a really committed team. You know, it's really fun for me. And I still enjoy I feel it out there. I feel the. I feel the joy. I feel the happiness. I feel the camaraderie. I feel the, you know, I always say, you know, we had my, dropped my son off at camp, um, you know, this summer for three weeks. And I thought, you know, it was, it was an outdoor camp. There was no electronics. And, you know, he went out there with a, a bunch of boys, 130, 140 boys. And I thought, you know, you just reconnect with your friendships and relationships. And there's a simplicity to that. And I drove away that camp going, God, I, I, need, I need one of those. And after about five minutes, I said, you know what? I do have that. I do have the simplicity <laughs> with, you know, all the 130 guys I go to work with. And, the, and there's, you know, locker room humor and, you know, there's a lightness to it. And at the same time, it's, it's deadly serious when it comes down to it because you're basically going out there as a warrior to fight on the field with your teammates. So there's so many challenges, you know, talking, you know, referencing back to Kobe the love of basketball, the love of football as well. It's not just one feeling. There's so many feelings that all kind of converge to create this harmony and this relationship with a career and a sport that challenges your own values as a person to bring out the best in yourself so that you can be your best for the people around you. As you can hear in Tom Brady's voice there, Football must be one hell of a drug for him because reports are coming out tonight. He left the uh, Buccaneers. I'm sure you know this. He left the Buccaneers training camp for a couple of weeks to take care of a personal issue. And when he came back, he basically says, look, I'm 45 years old, man. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, a lot of S going on in my life. Well, he does because there are reports that now he and his model wife, Giselle Bunchen are living separately. And he has, has a few kids. They're in those impressionable ages. And logic would tell you that at 45 years old, there is literally nothing left for him to prove. He has the most Super Bowl rings. He's going to have every passing yardage record. He hasn't even retired. And there's no debate. There's even in the Bay Area. As much as we love Joe Montana here, and for many years he was seen as the best quarterback of all time, he was seen as the GOAT, there's no debate anymore. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady's the goatiest GOAT that ever lived. He's the best quarterback of all time. 
He's the best player of all time. He's the best looking player of all time. He has the best life of all time. He's got it all. There's nothing left for Tom Brady to do. There's nothing left for Tom Brady to prove. He won all those Super Bowls with the Patriots. And then the only question left was, could he do it without Bill Belichick? And he turned around the first year and he did. He's got nothing literally to prove. As you can hear in that clip, if he could make love to football, Tom Brady would make deep, long, and passionate love to football. Now his wife, and I don't know anything about their life. Maybe it's a miserable life and he loves being on the football field, kinda, but he just doesn't want to go home. But I know that Giselle has said many times, and she, she's made this public, she wanted him to be home with the kids. Families, and Tom Brady has said this many times, have to make major sacrifices because he's not around. He said in that podcast, and this podcast was is every Monday, it's the Let's Go podcast, Jim Gray, Tom Brady, Larry Fitzgerald, and this one dropped on Monday. He said on that podcast, he's missed birthdays. He's, he's not home for Christmas. He's not home for Thanksgiving. He's, it's been 23 years that he's played the game, and he's never home for those things. And I think Giselle resents it. I don't know her. I did meet her one time uh, in New England with Tom Brady underneath the stands when Lincoln Kennedy was with me, and Lincoln just yelled at Tom, you know that was a fumble! And Brady laughed, and then everybody came together. and I was kind of frozen. I'm like, there's Tom and Giselle. This is pretty cool. This is the outside looking in. He has a $327 million deal to broadcast games once his career is over. He has a number of business ventures. He's still going to be a star endorser. He might have time to make more money. But nothing apparently pumps adrenaline through his veins like football. He has seven rings. He has all the passing records. Money's not an issue. He can play in an extremely high level. Maybe that's the issue, that he just can't, with more gas in the tank, leave. I can't relate. I've been a professional broadcaster for 25 years. I love it. I live it. My brain is wired for it. Most of my day, I'm thinking about content and how I can turn it every moment into stories and angles for the show. But once I have enough, I'm vapor. I'm on a beach. I'm lawn bowling. I'm feet in the sand. (laughs) I'm deleting all social media. I'm moving to a remote island where only the people I love can contact me. But Brady is different. He's apparently willing to throw away a fairy tale life, at least from the outside, for one more hoist of the Lombardi Trophy. I hope the high is worth it the low, and that is one for the road. And that is Unleashed with John Lund, Barry, Sports Talk for Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Remember to listen each day. Unleashed is dropped each weekday morning. Makes a nice drive to work, buddy. Interact with the show anytime at John Lund Radio on Twitter. I'll use all the best all week long, and we'll drop a mailbag each Tuesday. Pop and Lund weekdays on KMBR 680, the sports leader, 10 to 2. Pre-game, halftime, and post-game on the 49ers radio network. And please listen and subscribe to Unleashed, to Bay Area Sports Talk. With me, John Lund, Spotify, Apple, all the places you listen to podcasts. Please tell all your friends. Spread the word. YouTube channel will drop shortly as well. You've been listening to Unleashed with John Lund, Bay Area Sports Talk on the Locked On Podcast Network.